Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Du L, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, June 10th, 2016. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are at page 68, last paragraph, now about sex, and we'll read two paragraphs. Um, today's readers are Esther F, 12 Steps, Debbie T, 12 Traditions, Janet, the, for the main text, we have Janice B, Katie G, and Nancy H. The reference number for yesterday, Thursday, June 9th, is 8813. Preamble, OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. Always not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that People who suffer from compulsive eating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Esther F. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everybody. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made the decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Esther F. I will now ask Debbie T. to read the 12 traditions. Debbie, please press star Good morning. Sorry about that. Good morning, everyone. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. Um, Sorry. Good morning. This is Debbie T. from Ohio. Grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. 
Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants, and they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except for the matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Least problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supported, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should, refer, uh, should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we create service boards or committees directed, directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public... Our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity and anonymity on the levels of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I thank you so much for letting me do service, and with that, I pass. Everybody, have a good day. Thank you, WT. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Signalness of purpose reminded us to re- identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions of the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 68 and we will read through three paragraphs, but we will begin our reading on page 68, the last paragraph, now about sex, and we will read through two paragraphs ending we got this all down on paper and looked at it. And I will now ask uh, Janice B. to begin our reading. Thank you. Uh, This is Janice B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Vermont. Now about sex. Many of us needed an overhauling here, but above all, we tried to be sensitive, uh, sensible on this question. It's so easy to, to get way off the track. Here we find human opinions running to extremes, absurd extremes perhaps. One set of voices cry that sex is a lust of our lower nature, a base necessity of procreation. Then we have voices who cry for sex and more sex, 
who bewail the institution of marriage, who think that most of the troubles of the race are traceable to sex causes. They think we do not have enough of it or that it, is, it isn't the right kind. They see its significance everywhere. One school would allow man no flavor for his fare and the other would have us all on a straight pepper diet. We want to stay out of this controversy. We do not want to be the arbitrator of anyone's sex conduct. We all have sex problems. We'd hardly be human if we didn't. What can we do about them? We reviewed our conduct over the years past. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? Whom had we hurt? Did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? Where were we at fault? What should we have done instead? We got this all down on paper and looked at it. So in these two paragraphs, the big book is telling us that um, they um, that everyone has sex problems and and the big book isn't telling us what's right and what's wrong, but that everyone um, needs to come to that conclusion themselves. And the the line that, that I see is really important is where were we at fault and the big question, what should we have done instead? So, so we look at our conduct and deep down inside each one of us, we know what's right and what's wrong. And if we look at it through um, our higher powers' eyes and and see um, uh, what what um, and identify like what are my values? Um, if I feel guilt about something, it's because I um, I didn't I didn't do what. I didn't act in a way that was congruent with my beliefs about how I should have acted. And so um, through looking at the whole picture, we come to, through, through the eyes of what's right and what's wrong, what should we have done instead, we will come to an understanding of... Um, of a um, what what they're going to talk about in the next paragraph, a sane and sound ideal of what how we should behave in, in relation to um, our sex behaviors. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Janice B. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Charles H. Chrissy G. Charles H. Chrissy B. Jeanette. Carol G. I heard Jeanette, but I don't I don't recall her last initial. Kimberly Hello. S. Kimberly S. Lynn S. Tina S. H. Monica T. H. I heard Monica T. Vasa O. Carol Larry. Tina S. 
I heard Larry and Tina S. Let's take those first. Um, and, and this is the list that I have so far. I have Charles H., Chrissy B., Janet. Um, I didn't get your last initial. Kimberly, Lindsay, Monica T., Vasa O., Larry, and Tina S. Let's start off with Charles H. How you doing? My name is Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater. And um, here's the third leg of the fourth step inventory, the, the sexual conduct. And I want to drill down, lock in on where it says we reviewed our conduct over the years past. We had, we've been selfish, dishonest, and inconsiderate. So here we go again with, you know, I was always wondering why they didn't put fear in there because when I was going through my sexual conducts, I didn't have any fear because I was so selfish, inconsiderate, and dishonest, right? Um, you know, I went to a, 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 um, a, one of a, a meeting that really got me clean, um, and, you know, it's so sad that, and, and, and the, uh, the sub the topic was anger and nobody talked about um there was newcomers in here, people still drinking. Well you know, and and I and I talked about the big book because the, the the big book is called Alcoholics Anonymous. So um talked about the big book and then then, then the, the meeting changed. Not that I'm anybody special, but if the if the if I'm in an AA meeting and it's called Alcoholics Anonymous and there's a big book called Alcoholics Anonymous, you damn straight I'm gonna talk about the big book. So anyway, so um, so through that, and, and to tie it into this sexual conduct, I had a nickel, and I heard this from my old timer, man. It was this was dope. I got a nickel in every quarter, every quarter. I got a, at least a nickel and maybe fifteen cents. You know, these things were my fault. So I reviewed it on paper. You know, you know, I hurt people, hurt people, hurt people. I was dishonest, selfish, and inconsiderate, and um. And where was I at fault? The book don't care about how good Charles H is. I'm not a good person. And I'm not saying this for no likes. And I do it for the love. I don't do it for the likes because at the end of the day, I don't care who don't like me as long as my, my, my God likes me, right? And that's it. And I was able to talk with a brother after the meeting. Um, he, You know, he wanted to, uh, you know, he told me what he does. And I said, I don't really care about that. I got two questions for you. Are you a real alcoholic, and are you willing to go through any lens? That's it. And you know what? Why don't you think about that over the weekend, because he was talking about what he do and, and this and that and all that, and resisting arrest. I, I didn't do – I just said those two questions, and I kept it moving. And I'm going to keep it moving right now. Thanks. I pass. Thank you, Charles. We have Chrissy uh, – G next, and just a reminder for those that I didn't get your last yeah. initial, mm -hmm. can you please make sure that you mention it as you're sharing? Chrissy G, you're up. Oh, hi. Hi, G. Thank you. It's Chrissy G, Recovered Compulsive Overeater and Anorexic from New Jersey. And when I'm, when I'm thinking about the, in, the, in the 12 and 12, it says, how do we hurt other people anyway? Like, what are the types of things that we do to people to hurt them? And in terms of my sex relations and just my my behavior with the opposite sex, I've come to see in my inventory that I didn't treat them like children of God. I didn't treat them like they were people who had a soul 
I treated them like objects. You know, it's the same exact thing that I've I've always been resentful about as a woman to be, you know, if I, I walk down the street in New York and if if some construction worker, you know, uh, was catcalling me, I'd be so, you know, I'd be so resentful and like, oh my God, I'm not a, you know, I'm not an object and I have a brain and, you know, treat me like a person. But yet I was able to see like in all of my behavior the exact same things that I accused other people of doing to me, I did to them. And it might have been a different a, a different variation, a different play on the same theme, but it was still me using other people and using men either to feel good or to feel safe. And so now when I, I, I'm newly single again and I can approach this um, new dynamic, you know, a dynamic where this is a, another child of God, a human being, and not someone to be used. And I become responsible for my own happiness and my own security. And I'm not looking to put that burden on someone else. It's a very different approach to relating to, to other people. And it's a lot healthier and loving. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Chrissy. G, um, Janet, you're up. <clears throat> so star one. Janet? Okay, we'll move on to Kimberly. Hey there, this is Kimberly L. from Georgia, and I'm a compulsive overeater recovering. May I be heard? Yes, go ahead. Great, great. So I just finished this process, um, and what stuck out at me is that we got this all down on paper and looked at it. And to be honest, it wasn't pretty. Um, This was probably the part of the four-step that I was most fearful about um, because I have a lot of stuff that I've done that I've not, that I'm not proud about. And I really had a fear of saying it out loud. I had a fear of being judged. The beautiful thing is that my sponsor was able to walk me right through it by saying that she has done the same um, and has shared, she shared with me a couple of situations that she went through And I just went through the questions, you know, I answered the questions and then on my fifth step, I went through the questions and it was, you know, it was amazing to see how selfish and inconsiderate and dishonest I've been around them, you know, but the good news is, is that I can, I can move forward from this in a way that I don't think I would have been able to had I not been thorough about this particular paragraph. And I was as thorough thorough as I'm able to be right now. Um, And and again, it was not pretty and I had a tremendous amount of fear about it, but I'm so glad that I, that I did it. And, um, and that's it. I passed. Okay. Thank you. And um, I believe there was a Janet before. Um, if you're available to share, you can share. 
If not, we'll move on to Lindsay. I believe that's Lindsay H. Do you think the Lindsay might have been Lynn S? Probably. <laughs> okay, I'm just waiting for a Lindsay to pop up there. If not, um, this is Lynn S from Toronto, Canada. I'm go ahead. Up. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Uh, Lynn S. from Toronto, Canada, a recovering compulsive reader. It's funny, I really had trouble uh, even contemplating a sex inventory because I don't like sex, I don't have sex, so what's this got to do with me kind of an attitude, which of course wasn't true. It was just sort of a defense thing that I threw up. Um, it was also interesting for me because once I realized it wasn't really, it's our sex life, but that's about relationships. It's always, for me, about relationships with people. And I had basically used everybody, which really came out in, in the, the sex inventory. But, you know, it's no different. I treated the sex people, or I treated the other people in my life the same way I treated the sex people. And I realized that my whole life I was using people to fulfill my basic instincts, my my um, my desires, my hopes. It was all a sense of using people, and that really came out. And what was really funny is my sponsor was overwhelmed at the time, and I couldn't give her away the sex inventory, so I ended up giving up to a lady that I had met at the Virginia Beach Convention, and holy moly, did she ever point out so many things that were so useful to me and to see yet again in relationships with everybody how I used them. And I remember, you know, when I was reading this part and saying, did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? I used to do that all the time between my mother and my aunt, set them up as rivals, go on at each other. Um, so it was really, and this is what amazes me about the fourth step and amazes me about what we find about ourselves and relationships with people. And it just comes to mind that phrase in the book, really, what we're aiming for is the best possible relationship with everybody in our life, past, present, and future. I am so grateful for the program of recovery. And the opportunity, at first I was having trouble, you know, thinking, who am I going to give the sex inventory away to? And to be able to reach out to somebody in Virginia Beach that I met there and give it to them was amazing. I learned so much. So something that I, I didn't want to do, like have to give it to somebody other than my sponsor, turned out to be a really good thing. I got a different perspective. So all in all, this particular part of the inventory was maybe even the most helpful. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Lynn S., excuse me. Now we'll move on to Monica T., Good morning, Do. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater here in Florida. Now about sex. And I love how a lot of the previous shares. When I came to this part of my um, four-step inventory, I was told to write a new list. And I was told to add on this list anybody that I had affected with my little feminine powers. This could include family and friends, as well as actual sexual partners, people that were affected my, by my conduct. 
I said, we reviewed our conduct, our behavior, our way of acting over the years past. And I was told this was also include people um, that I didn't, didn't have, didn't necessarily have sex with, but maybe somebody I um, fantasized about or, you know, inappropriate behavior on my part. And then I was told, okay, get your list. And then the next thing was to write a little bit, a little brief history of this relationship. You know, what was my motive behind this? You know, well, in high school, I, you know, I wanted to go to the prom. So I used so-and-so, you know, to go to the prom. Didn't make any difference whether I liked him or not. Was that fair? No, it wasn't. And then you looked at each person on your list, and we have these questions here that they're asking us. And I had to, there was nine things it worked out to be. How was I selfish? You know, what did I want? What did I do? How was I dishonest? How was I, in, was I inconsiderate? Did I hurt him or anybody else around this relationship? Did I arouse jealousy? And these were yes or no questions. And if I said yes, I had to explain briefly. You know, one sentence. What did I do? Did I unjustifiably arouse suspicion? Did I arouse bitterness in myself or others? Where was I at fault? And the last two, where was I at fault? And what should I have done instead? Are the really important questions out of these nine things here. Because these are going to help me set up my ideal which is coming up in the next paragraph. You know, so Monica, what should you have done instead in a lot of these cases? You know, I should have either not started it to begin with, ended it sooner with honesty, or I always like to say, Monica, you should have just stayed home. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. We'll move on to Vasa O. Yes, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Du, for your service. And I'm grateful, recovered, compulsive Alita, calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. Uh, and this was, the, <laughs> this was the most embarrassing part of my inventory and the last place I really wanted to go to. Uh, and I remember when I was writing my inventory, and I just wanted to hide it. I didn't want my husband to see it or my kids, you know. And I would I would just put the name of the person, just the first letter of the person, you know. I wanted to hide, you know. Uh, again, uh, I and it was just it was very very hard for me to do. I grew up in a very in a home we just did not discuss sex, you know, especially coming from the old country. And I did not date for very many very many men because uh, I had to have a chaperone. And again, I didn't have a lot, a lot of experience in that area, but I had thoughts and I had feelings, you know, as a human being. So I listed all the persons, whether it was a real or imagined behavior, anyone that was affected by my behavior, it could have been real or not real, uh, imagined or fantasy thing, you know. And since I didn't have a lot of men, so I went into the fantasy. I had a lot, a lot of fantasies, you know. My sponsor said, oh, you can write about actors. You can talk about the president. You can talk about your boss or anything. Oh, I said, oh, okay. You know, my fantasies. I spend most of my life in fantasy world. So, yes, I did take one by one, you know. 
where was I selfish, dishonest, and considerate whom the, the, we had heard they were unjust. Yes, you know, of course, I dated my husband for four years, and we one of you know I he had to come to the house most of the times. So um, I it's embarrassing to think like to to even talk about it. I had confused sex with love, you know, and uh, I thought if somebody wanted to have sex with me, they, that meant they loved me, you know. But I thank God I didn't act on it very often, you know, again, until I got married. But anyways, I used um, sex from, to make me feel good, to be taken care of, like after my marriage, to be taken care of the fantasy. When I meet this person, you know, I wanted him to make me feel good, to take care of me and protect me and keep me safe. And um, so, and I had hurt in the process few people in my life. I, you know, I like somebody because of the the attention, uh, the acceptance. I, I had a lot, a lot of confusion. So I'm just so glad to be on this path again, and I still have confusion. And uh, I'm just glad to be here and hear the rest of you. And I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. We'll move on to Larry Kay. Good morning, do uh, Larry Kay, recovered compulsive overeater. So, um, step four, you know, it, it's it's kind of like a it's it's the archaeology of misbehavior for me. You know, I'm digging to to uncover patterns of behavior. You know, archaeology. When I think of archaeology, the study of human activity in the past. You know, what have I? What's the bedrock here beneath my hurt, beneath my frustrations, beneath my, you know, you know. And, and, and while the past doesn't necessarily have to be indicative of my future, the thing is, it's often a pretty darn good predictor. You know, <laughs> for me, you know, when I feel threatened, you know, that that brings about that elicits power struggles for me. When I look at the sex, you know, inventory here, when I feel hurt or angry, I'm going to seek revenge. And so, you know, when I when it asks these questions about being selfish, dishonest, uh, inconsiderate, I got to look at these things. And remember, in step four, we're engaged in a in this dig to un- uncover patterns, you know, general patterns of behavior. We're we're on this fact finding and fact facing mission. This isn't about fault finding and fault fixing. And, and nor is step four about um, contemplating, you know, who I'm going to have to make amends to or how am I going to have to make these amends. Let's not get ahead of myself in this process. You know, I heard it said, when I jump from four to nine in my mind, I usually remain blind. But w- when I stay present in four, it's less of a chore. And it's a silly rhyme. But it reminds me of how important it is to stay present in the moment and follow the instructions in front of me. So, for example, you know, can I acknowledge that I arouse suspicion of jealousy without adding a but to the equation? Yes, I did this, but, you know, she did that. Because self-justification and rationalization will keep me enslaved by the food. It's what keeps us tethered to the food. You know, pride stokes the flame of, of the obsession of the mind. It keeps it alive. So in step four, let me just follow the instructions. 
let me not move ahead in my mind to thinking, oh, yeah, and I'm, I, you know, I'm going to have to make amends to this person. And we, we get all wrapped up, and I think people get tripped up with that. I know I did. Let me stay with the instructions and get on that archaeological dig and just look at the stuff as best as my memory can, can reveal to me. And let me, let me trust in the process, trust in the process. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Um, we'll move on to Tina S. Thanks, Stu, for your service. Tina S., compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Well, I heard so many really good things, and yesterday also could really relate. And, you know, that's the good news. That's why I continue to do this thing one day at a time. And, you know, I had for myself, you know, I had to remember that I was not the arbiter of anyone's sex conduct and that we all have problems. We all have sex problems. And I love the previous paragraph because that helped me feel a little more comfortable, you know. And we'd hardly be human if we didn't. But, you know, one of the things was that I had to look at my own conduct, and, I, and it's been shared over and over and over because I was all about looking at yours, you know. But I had to look at my own and my conduct, you know, because by the time I was doing this four-step, I, um, you know, really didn't. I'm sorry. I had to step out. I, by the time I was doing this four-step, you know, I really wasn't participating in this act. And, um, you know, so I thought, well, that doesn't apply to me, like everyone said. But, you know, it really did apply to me. It really did apply to me. And, um, you know, and I, had, and I had to go over the years past, you know, where had I been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? You know, and I was. You know, and I like that it's just not the person, you know, it was all the flirtatious stuff that I had, because I'm also in another 12-step program, so I was doing a lot of this stuff in a lot of seedy places, you know, and... um you know, and I also heard that I, I a lot of times, you know, mistook uh, the sex for love. You know, that was part of my stuff, too, you know. And, um, you know, and, and I hurt not only the person I was being with, but, you know, the people around him or her, you know, whatever. It didn't really matter who the other sex was, but, you know, the families and um, my own families and the people that I hung out with and the way that I lived. And, you know, and I'd like to also share that we had to get this down on paper and look at it. And then I had an opportunity to, again, share it with somebody else who had been there, done that. And so, again, I didn't feel so so alone. And um, that's what I love about this program. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina. Uh, we had such a good response in this paragraph. Um, are there a few more who would like to share before we move on? Carol G. Carol Melissa G. Melissa C. Anyone else? Okay, we'll take those two before Linda we move R. On. Linda, Linda R. Linda R. Okay. So I have Carolyn G. Linda Melissa R. C. Linda. Linda R. Thank you. Linda R. And we have Linda R. Before we move on. Okay, Carol G. You're up. Thank you, do for your service. Good morning, Vision for you. It's Carol G. Living a Recovered Life. Um, what a fabulous paragraph. Um, so the big book for me really follows that natural order of things because resentments came first, then fear, and now about sex. So once fear was down on paper, there was this massive space that opened up for me to get in touch with my relationships with the world and with others. And my perception of this paragraph is that I saw the significance of sex everywhere. Um, on television, in conversations, in relationships, clothing. 
in my body. I mean, sexual power is very, very, very powerful for somebody who's powerless. Um, very, very easy to misuse um, and can be very, very intoxicating. Um, I mean, when I think about the times when I would be sat there eating buckets and buckets of food, I would be at the same time thinking, well, when I've lost all the weight this time, when I'm struck abstinent this time, I'll be free again. And what I didn't realize was that I needed an act of God. And in here, they're describing an overhauling. They're going to talk about not just a change of ways. I'm going to get changed from the inside out. And it's a fabulous place to be because this third inventory has been the most freeing for me. Um, I would lose myself in mirrors, obsessing about my weight, all my perceptions and ideas of what it was like to be a woman, all my guiding forces in life just had to be really cast aside for something new. And I mean, I had a really ideal view of myself, but I had body image issues. And the only thing that I thought was going to give me freedom was to be thin. I thought sexual freedom would mean thin. And it didn't. It didn't mean any of that. So when I looked at the nine questions, the one thing that really stuck out for me was that when I pose them to myself, the sheets often begin, not in the big book, but in the sheets, they begin with whom did we hurt. So we look straight to the people that we are in relationship with. But the big book doesn't say that. It starts with where have I been selfish? Where have I been dishonest? And in beginning with me and seeing what happens inside me, what I'm thinking about, what I'm doing, and seeing my conduct, first of all, rather than second of all, in that way, suddenly, I'm beginning to consider other things and other people and the circle widens and I see people who have been harmed that would never have gone on there had I have gone straight in with him, her, she. It, it's an amazing process. And by doing it in the order that it's put in, get rid of the fear, get rid of the resentment, open that space for the sex conduct, the delusions just fall from us. It's fantastic and it's presented in exactly the right way. It brings such freedom. It's brought me such freedom from my body issues, from my weight issues, because I don't need to use a different program. The higher power is going to give me this overhauling. It's fabulous. Thank you. I can't say enough about it. And I pass. Thank you, Carol. Melissa C., you're up. Hi. Good morning, Sue. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, at first, um, when I, you know, get to the part about sex conduct, um, you know, my immediate kind of reaction is um, a little bit of relief in that um, I think, you know, for me, there is a difference between perhaps using alcohol as a drug and food because um, alcohol may have lessened my inhibitions and made me more apt to do things sexually, um, you know, that were outside of my own ideals. But food didn't necessarily do that. Um, food didn't make me less um, inhibited. In fact, if anything, it was like a suit of armor. You know, my wall of fat, my, my piles of food kind of put up a nice wall, a block. And um, and so when I think about how is it damaging, um, well, you know, when, when you've been with the same partner, you know, I'm married going to be 20 years and we've been together since I was, you know, 23, um, you know, it's a lifetime of, of hurt really with one person, the person that I, you know, really love deeply. Um, I've 
created barriers. You know, I would um, live in my head, you know, wanting somehow to be um, adored and desired and, um, and yet I would lock the door, you know, with food around me, you know, even in the bed. And that's really, that's not so pretty to look at. If there's nothing like sexy or exciting, um, for me, that's like very painful, very embarrassing. And, um, you know, and so I created um, unrealistic expectations for him to make me feel good about myself. That's really what I used sex for. If he loved me more, you know, I wanted just to be loved more. And this program um, in my recovery is all about, no, not asking other people to love me more, but how can I love other people more, you know? And, um, and uh, when that's, you know, in my mind, then um, I can live more in agreement with, um, you know, my husband, with sex, putting food in its right place. Uh, thank you, and that'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. Uh, we'll move on to Linda R. You'll be our last year before we move on. Good morning. Thank you so much. This is Linda R. Recovered. And so, now I'm in North Carolina. Anyway, um, this topic of sex, you know, when I first came into program and I did my fourth step, I had no clue. I didn't relate in the big book. They kept, you know, the list of Mrs. Brown, you know, and the fear and all that. I had no clue what they meant about this because I didn't relate or identify with the act of having sex like that. So what happened on my journey through the steps, I realized that my family of origin had given me a mixed message. One person didn't like sex, and one person was promiscuous. So I got like all these mixed messages, and as I grew up, of course, the weight was a barrier because of my shame and guilt based. I kept men away, and I went into a fantasy you know, I grew up in the era of someday my prince will come, Cinderella, and I fantasized about Superman, who at that time was my higher power, and I used to really go into a lot of fantasy about being loved, accepted. And then as I came into the step work and really cultivated God and really enlarged my spiritual, you know, concept, I started to really learn to love my body and to really, you know, as the weight came off, I did a lot of work on that, you know, with body shame, and I was able to, you know, the saying, intimacy, I see, become intimate with myself. And as a result of that, I got healthy sexually. And the other thing I want to share is that as far as relationships and arousing jealousy and being inconsiderate, the biggest thing was the lie that I told myself that I was not desirable or that I was not desired. And part of my higher power's description is one of that, someone who embraces and loves me with acceptance. So I just wanted to share that it also takes time and work and that it does not happen overnight. Thank you. Hey, thank you very much. Um, we will move on to the next paragraph, uh, starting, we review our sex conduct over the years. And Katie G, would you like to read for us? Yes, do. Can you hear me? <clears throat> yes, I can. Perfect. And I'm sorry, am I reading just that one paragraph we used, we reviewed our conduct over the years past? Yes. Perfect. Thank you. <clears throat> Good morning, everyone. KG, Recovered Compulsive Reader, Anorexic and Bulimic from Boston, calling in from NYC. We reviewed our conduct over the years past. 
Where had we been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? Whom had we hurt? Did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? Where were we at fault? What should we have done instead? We got this all down on paper and looked at it. And let me just, um, wait, do is that right? Or was I supposed to read in this way? I'm confused. I made a mistake. Um, no, that's it. That's where you start. That's it. Got, awesome. got it all down on paper. Yes. Thank you. Okay, perfect. Sorry, guys. Katie G. Um, okay, so I'm just going to take a moment and get centered and set my timer. Yeah, I mean, let's get my timer. Sorry. Um, for me, like I said yesterday, this was an opportunity um, to look at, you know, my selfish conduct and how I have used sex to get my needs met, right? Like I, I have always felt like I'm a bad little girl and I need other people to fill me up. Like I'm not okay unless you're filling me up. And um, it was really phenomenal to look at you know, what does it mean to be inconsiderate? You know, like, how do I constantly try and get other people to do things for me? And and whom have I hurt? And, like, that meant looking at the man who was still married, right, that I was with, right? Whom had I hurt? How about his kids who never knew about me and um, were hurt because of the ways in which I was taking their father away from them? And where did I arouse jealousy, you know, in my current relationship? Do I look to get, you know, attention from friends that's inappropriate? Why? Because I'm feeling less than. Like, I just want to repeat what a previous speaker said, like, um, that real intimacy means into me I see. And what was phenomenal and what continues to be phenomenal is to be able to look at my behaviors in black and white and say, hey, I never learned this stuff, right, guys? Like, I learned how to hold hostages. I learned how to um, eat compulsively. Like, why would I know the complexities? And um, I grew up in a very sexually complex household, so I really didn't know um, how not to use my sex conduct inappropriately. And a lot of this step four stuff for me is about growing up. It's about saying, okay, so you know what? Like I'm a woman of dignity and grace and I don't need to use my sex powers to fill me up. And it's such a powerful thing. And um, I know that this is a, a little bit further, but what I have found is that um, there are a few promises in this book, and one of them is in the next paragraph that says, if we are not sorry about our behaviors, you know, we will pick up. And so I need to have a very clear picture of what should I have done instead? How about not engage with a married man and then been angry at him for not proposing to me? How about walked away? How about not been inappropriate in my parents' household? How about... Um, you know, been a woman of God, dignity and grace. How about said, no, I want to wait. How about said, it's not a good time for me, you know, and if you're not okay with that, um, <clears throat> walked away, right? Like it's learning about having um, esteemable 
performing esteemable actions. And uh, I know my time is up, but thank God. Like, I get to learn what it means to live with esteemable actions and not to use anything today except for a power greater than me. Doing it with you one more day, guys. God bless. Thank you, Katie G. Um have to apologize. Uh, we were supposed to read the paragraph in this way. We tried to shape our sane and sound ideal for the future sex life. And I, I don't know if you read that or not, um, Katie. But we will end it up um, demeaning by uh, continuing to share on the paragraph that we've read. And uh, anyone else that would like to share on this paragraph? We have about Nancy H. Like, two more shares. Nancy H., what page, please? Page 69. And we're still sharing on that, on the paragraph that we shared before. Thank you. And one more, one more person would like to share on this paragraph? Okay, we'll, we'll start off with Nancy H. then. Good morning. This is Nancy H., a newly recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Uh, before I began my sex inventory, I told my sponsor it was going to be the most uneventful story she'd ever heard because I came from the old school of no sex before marriage and only one sexual partner. But that didn't get me off the hook because my instructions were to examine the quality of my relationship, even though I was divorced, and evaluate where I'd been selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, inconsiderate, I was to write down any resentments and prejudices around my sex life and if I might examine if I might have flirted with someone and led them on. It wasn't for me to talk about the different opinions on sex that were listed above, but um, I was supposed to, um, excuse me, that's my, my other timer. Regarding sex, um, I was just supposed to concentrate on my past and present situation in that one relationship. And even though my husband, ex-husband and I are friends now uh, and sex isn't part of the relationship, I was told to examine and get a proper view of that relationship. So I had to list anything that was coming to mind. Uh, was there childhood incest, masturbation, extramarital affairs, which there weren't. Um, and my sexual conduct didn't even, it didn't really include only intercourse, but any kind of relationship with another person. So if I wasn't thorough about this, I was going to eat again, so I had to really make an attempt. And one thing that helped me a lot was to say the sex prayer that's listed at the end of the next paragraph, um, that, or the next two paragraphs, that helped me to be honest about what was going on. So I realized when I examined my sex life that um, from my marriage that I had harmed the other person. I was dishonest about my dissatisfaction with sex, and I didn't discuss it so we could do something about it. And uh, the main thing was that when I was eating compulsively, I preferred food to sex, so I wasn't really present in the in the bed. I was naive being a virgin. I didn't want to look at, uh, you know, look stupid, so I didn't ask questions or seek outside help. So the bottom line when I was finishing my examination of my sex conduct was that I needed to meditate and ask God what direction I could take in making my amends. And then, of course, I went on to establish the sexual idea ideal for if, you know, I should get an, another opportunity to, uh, to practice this. So uh, for me, it was a very mind-opening uh, situation when I, when I did it, and I'm really glad that I did it because it made me realize a lot of different things 
that I wasn't really aware of. So with that, I shall pass. Thank you for letting me do service, and thank you for your service, Do. Okay, thank you, Nancy. We have time for one more share. Who would like to jump at that opportunity? Anyone? Hi, okay. I'm Nancy Ahara. Hi, this is Penny. Hi. I I heard, I'm sorry, Nancy R? Yes. Okay, we'll give you that opportunity. Go ahead. Okay, thank you. My name is Nancy R. I'm a grateful recover compulsive reader, and uh, I really <laughs> listened intently and enjoyed the series. Uh, this is an area of my life where I, even after doing it, I really felt vic- that I was the victim uh, because I, I, it was just difficult for me to see uh, where I had been harmed, but this program, you know, it takes it takes a it takes a while for some things to come into uh, uh, focus for for me, and um, you know, listening listening to people and following the guidance of a sponsor, I was able to see where I had been at fault, and uh, it's taken me a long time to forgive myself. Uh, for some of the misdeeds that I had done, but the program has helped me to recognize that you know I was I was a sick person at that time, and sick people do sick things. So thank you for the shares today. It it continues to aid me in my growth in this area in my life. Thank you for letting me share. And thank you. Um, and I'll, I'll take a quick share. My name is Du L, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And I absolutely love this, um, uh, you know, inventory because I get to today clean up the past. I get to look at, you know, my sex conduct and how I treated other people. And, um, you know, it gives me specific directions and it's not looking at, you know, other people's um, lives and, and what they did to me is looking at my part and where I had been selfish, dishonest, and inconsiderate and who am I hurt and aroused suspicion and bitterness. And it gives me an opportunity to draft a plan about my sex life, right? It, it gives me an opportunity to live by a moral code today of how, you know, how I treated those relationships and testing those relationships and molding and shaping that ideal according to God's will, according to God's purpose. And, you know, looking at how God had given me this ideal and not lightly or selfishly, right, um, or despising or loathing it, but just looking at and cleaning my part, looking at my part, taking responsibility for my part and cleaning up that part um, and shaping up that, that ideal for my life um, as far as I go into my other relationships with people. Um, and especially, you know, my sign ideal today is I don't get to use people. I don't get to be selfish. I don't get to be inconsiderate. I don't get to be dishonest with someone that I intend to have that intimate relationship with. Um, if I don't have, you know, if I, I don't have that sound ideal, I don't get engaged into those relationships today. You know, I 
I have a different way of looking at this and inviting God into all of my ideals as far as my relationships with people. And I'm glad that, you know, this big book gives us a plan for even that, for even intimate relationships um, and deep intimate relationships. And so we'll get to revisit this, um, this paragraph once again tomorrow. And uh, thank you to everyone who has shared today. Um, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of our study immediately followed by the closing. We will now close the reading from the big book on page 164 followed by, by the serenity prayer. Will Nancy H. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, good morning. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.